0: Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you in part by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, remember to take some time to chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment, Coors Light. Yes, indeed. A brand new month. Flip the calendar and we are still here. I'm like channeling my Tom Brady from Champa Bay, although Brady always said it in New England better with the we're still here to the Patriot fans. We are still here on the only digital radio show that loves to focus, loves to delve into, loves to think about and talk about those underdogs, the teams that are given less of a chance to win, not thought as highly of. We love the underdogs and we're still churning whether we're talking NBA playoffs, whether we're talking Stanley cup playoffs, how about my underdog Champa Bay lightning going to Carolina in Raleigh and winning not only game one, but also game two on the road. So they come back home on three dog Thursday to play game three of their series, hockey playoffs going on everywhere. NBA going on everywhere. We've got some boxing to get to. We've got all kinds of things to discuss and we're glad that you found us. And however you found us, through a social media link, through the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network feed of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, etc. Make sure you subscribe. And this podcast comes out on Thursdays, Thursdays in the morning, comes to you. We're ready to go on Three Dog Thursday. If you are subscribed via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe. It comes automatically to you. That's the easiest way to get Three dog Thursday. All right, so much to discuss. Brian Edwards, Sr., Handicapper, MajorWager.com, Vegas Insider. He's rolling again with the NBA picks. Lots of NBA playoff talk is coming up right now in just a moment. In the middle segment, we'll talk a little more about the NBA and some of the controversy around the ladies' tennis champion, Naomi Osaka, uh, who has withdrawn from the French Open, And the larger picture about mental health, dealing with the media, dealing with negativity, and how it affects not only tennis, but all of sports. I'm going to do that with my guests, Matt Zimmick, who does a fantastic job writing and talking tennis worldwide. Uh, we, We use Matt for a lot of different reasons. He'll be on with great insight into Osaka and what's going on. And some more NBA playoff talk, too, in the middle segment as well. Deshaun Tate will be here from Tate's Take, the Hoops podcast. Deshaun based out of Atlanta, where the Hawks are looking to put away the New York Knicks and advance on in the NBA playoffs. So we've got big doings to talk about with both of those guys in the middle segment. And then Brian Edwards back with some more stuff for the weekend in our final segment of the podcast. All right. Speaking of Brian Edwards, let's don't delay any further. The man continues to roll on and we talk some NBA playoffs and much more with Vegas insider and senior handicapper, MajorWager.com. Brian Edwards now back aboard on three dog Thursday. It is a new month, and the playoffs continue to crank along, and you're continuing to do well with the NBA picks. How are you? I'm well. I've
1: uh, on a 9-1 run since Friday, and, uh, yeah, uh, Memphis and Utah overs have been treating me right, 4-0 for the series. I wasn't on all four. Uh, I've been on the last three, though.
0: So that's good on that. And, again, we're going to disclaim in this way that Brian and I are putting this show together in advance of Thursday. So we don't have the Wednesday results. It's one of the hardships when we're trying to put all of this together uh, that we don't have the Wednesday results to go on. So again, you're listening and you know if you are a fan of the NBA, what has happened on Wednesday night. Did the Sixers move on with the Wizards where they're leading 3-1? to one? Did the Knicks bow their back against Brian's Hawks and force a Game 6 back in Atlanta uh, for this weekend or not? Uh, Did the Jazz go go ahead and put the Grizzlies away after the two wins in Memphis and a 3-1 lead on Wednesday night? We definitely know, Brian, that for Wednesday, the Clippers-Mavericks series cannot end because the winner will only be up three games to two and we get a Friday night Clippers-Mavericks game uh, for sure. But we don't know those uh, results right now. So that's the one disclaimer. We'll kind of talk in and around that coming up. I want to back up, though, to Tuesday night and your thoughts on what we saw uh, in Tuesday evening's action, including a couple of series um, that have really turned in the ending of one. Uh, you you said to us last week you didn't believe the Nets-Celtics would go beyond five games. You called it. The Nets finished off the Celtics in Brooklyn behind 34 from James Harden. Uh, just give me a thought on that, and then we've got news about the Celtics at the time that we're putting uh, Three Dog Thursday together. But first of all, the Nets put them away and move on to play uh, in the next round of the playoffs
1: yep they uh, <clears throat> avoided the backdoor cover the Celtics were threatening and covered as 12 and a half point favorites and now they uh, they played Milwaukee uh, in round one and around round two excuse me and there are four and a half point home favorites in Saturday's uh, series opener uh, total 239 and a half and we find out this morning or Wednesday morning that Boston's uh, Danny Ainge is uh, stepping down as president of basketball ops and Brad Stevens is shockingly stepping down as head coach, but moving to the front office, um, at the age of 44. So I don't really know. I I don't know if the bubble and then this, you know, the bubble and the season going long and they were in the East finals last year. And, and then this season's got him burned out, but, uh, I don't expect Brad Stevens to stay off the sidelines very long. Um, and a little surprising that he would get the front office job and it will apparently lead the coaching search. Um, kind of a, a head scratcher there uh, as have a lot of things been in Boston the last couple of years is they go from a, a team with a great young run, young roster. And, you know, they, they, they lose Horford, um, you know, they get rid of Terry Rozier, which was understandable uh, considering they had Kyrie, but then Kyrie's gone, which is, fine he's a headache but uh they lose Gordon Hayward and that roster that just looked loaded for years to come has slowly dwindled
0: well and they have uh uh, you know two things number one Danny Ainge has been there going on close to 20 years in the front office that's hard to believe that he's been in and around and associated uh with the Celtics for that long and assembling uh the roster and they have a lot of leverage with draft picks and with other things um The the one observation that I had is that is that Brad Stevens obviously really really did not want the Indiana college coaching job and the Hoosiers to go back to that state if if he is leaving coaching to coach the Boston Celtics to be in the Celtics front office and not coach then there was no lure whatsoever to go coach at Indiana it's not just about not being the coach of the Celtics anymore so I'm with you. He's young enough. Maybe he is burned out temporarily here. He'll recharge, kind of retool in the front office. I know there is some controversy and some blowback already. Did the Celtics go through the proper process and procedures on on, uh, hiring practices involving minorities and others and interviewed or whatever? But Stevens came out of out of Butler and has really acquitted himself. Well, not to the championship level as an oh, NBA coach. And I think that they're probably looking at it as let him recharge and he might step back in the coaching role in two or three years, if need be. What do you buy that Brian? Uh,
1: maybe, I mean, we'll, we'll just kind of see how the the hire goes. I mean, I, I don't buy it as that set in stone, but maybe like, you know, if the, a year or two from now, if the coach isn't working out, perhaps.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Like Kind
1: of like Riley came back and won the yes. title after being in the front office uh, with Van Gundy before Spolstra, So something like that, perhaps. But, you know, I wonder if, uh, you know, he was never going to take the Indiana job in the middle of the NBA season. The Celtics had paid him too, too much for him to just take off in the middle of the year. And that was before Jalen Brown got hurt when they, you know, still had a potential life in the playoffs, and they were still could have gotten the fourth seed at that point, uh, when Brown got hurt. So, um, anyhow, I don't think him, I don't think he'll be in the front office very long. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I think he'll be back coaching, whether it be in the NBA or college. I don't know, he, he must be. He, he, he's not, I don't know that he's interested in getting back in college. It'll be interesting if like. You know, if it doesn't work out with Hubert Davis, or if Coach K retires, but Coach K is going to be picking one of his successors. one of his, he's going to pick one of his players, one of his guys,
0: one of his guys. And there was speculation that maybe Brad Stevens would be interested in the North Carolina job when Roy Williams, kind of late in the college coaching calendar and the carousel calendar, said no thanks. But that appeared to also be an inside job, if you will, where he wanted Hubert Davis to be elevated as a, as a priority on that. Um, Again, I don't think Brad Stevens has coached his last game in the NBA college or whatever, just because he's stepping aside to go to the front office for a little while. There are other guys have done. Larry Bird did this where he was in the front office coached, went back to the front office. You mentioned Pat Riley. There've been others uh, that have done this too. Uh, Don Nelson did it very famously a couple of different times with a couple of different teams. So Let's just see how long the whole front office thing were to last, and clearly the Celtics need a reboot. Um, uh, Off of the games again on Tuesday night when we're putting this podcast together, we saw the Suns blow away the Lakers 115-85, to Chris Paul uh, back in there. Again, Devin Booker had 30 in that game, and the Suns now lead three games to two. So we know for three-dog Thursday purposes, they're in L.A. with the Suns having a chance to eliminate the defending champions. So we'll talk more about that in just a second. And also a thrilling double overtime game deep into the night uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning saw the Nuggets win 147-140 over Damian Lillard. And Portland Lillard said Lillard, Lillard a franchise record for Portland, 55 points in a playoff game. An NBA playoff record, 12 made threes, and they don't win the game. Denver still finds a way uh, with Jokic with 38 points. 11 rebounds, nine assists. They win and lead three games to two and again can close it out Thursday night in Portland on Three Dog Thursday as we're releasing this podcast. Just give me quick thoughts on those two Western series. We know the results now from game five, Brian. What are your thoughts on both of those?
1: One of the best performances I've ever seen out of Damian Lillard, just two high degree difficulty buzzer beaters to force uh, both overtimes – or I'm sorry, they weren't buzzer beaters. That there was a second – or actually, I think the double overtime, there might have been five or six seconds left. But, um, you know, he trusted his guy, C.J. McCollum. I love C.J. McCollum. Talking about in the uh, – was it the second or – Second
0: third? overtime Second late. overtime. Right. You know, he trusts his right. guy,
1: C.J. McCollum. And I love C.J. McCollum. And you, you can't just, just, just crush a player off one play. But, man, you cannot – Freaking step out of bounds with nine <laughs> seconds left. What the hell was going on there? You, I can. You can't step out of bounds ever on the sideline. And, and gotta know do where that you are at, at crunch time. That is just horrible. I feel bad for uh, for Lillard. But in terms of how we look at the next uh, game in both of those series on Thursday night, we don't know about Anthony Davis. Um, we. You know, where are you – like, I haven't even looked at the box score to see everybody's like uh, – you know, how tired everybody's legs are going to be, but it works both ways. Well, let's see. Norman Powell played 50 minutes. Lillard played 51 and change. McCullum played 50. You look at Denver. Uh, Jokic played 46 and change. Porter 47. Okay, so um, uh, Malone scattered out the minutes a lot better for Denver. So Portland may have a little more dead legs tomorrow. But um I'm not worried about Damian and Lillard. And they're
0: they're fine. at home with a chance to yeah. force game seven and with the way Lillard is playing. Um, and, and look, there's people banging on. Why did he give the ball up late in that second overtime? I mean, sometimes the stars for all time. I mean, some of the most famous moments in the NBA finals was Michael Jordan, giving the ball up to John Paxson or giving the ball up to Steve Kerr to hit a last second shot. Michael took almost all the rest of them. It seems like, uh, but he did occasionally give it up and there've been others. LeBron has given it up and gotten criticism for doing that. There've been others that have done that too. Uh, back to the Lakers. The Suns come back home, they are favored. I I know and I realize, I get it, you're never back in the Lakers. You've said that playfully. It's fun. You're never back in the Lakers to win a series. But the defending champs could be gone here uh, in this if they don't find a way on their home floor here to force Game 7 on Thursday night against the Suns. Yeah, they
1: they could be. Um, If Davis is healthy, I would think they'll probably – uh, force the game seven. But uh, man, I, I I think, you know, if there was one play that was just a telling sign, it was LeBron loafing back on defense last night. And I know it was already kind of a blowout. Um, and, you know, you know, he's got a lot of, a lot of uh, miles on those tires, if you will, but you don't ever not loaf back on, you never loaf back on defense like that, especially in the playoffs. And I just think it was a telling sign a, that he's, fatigued and and a or b that his head's just not right and uh, in
0: fairness you know this they were down 30 at phoenix at halftime and i think they had just decided we got to try to get this in game six we're not winning tonight we got to we got to let the clock run and play out the string but we're not winning tonight
1: and save your legs i get that but it's just kind of a pride thing as a basketball player you don't disrespect your teammates by not by loafing back on defense.
0: Speaking of disrespect, Charles Barkley was very pointed and he's got a powerful pulpit on the inside of the NBA. And he he called out Anthony Davis and started jokingly referring to him as street clothes Davis. Anthony street clothes Davis because he always sees him in street clothes. That criticism is making the rounds on social media And elsewhere, How much more pressure does that put on Davis? I know they won the championship in the bubble a year ago, but how much more pressure does that put on him to get out there and perform well? Because a, if he doesn't get out there at all and they lose that looks even worse, but if he gets out there, he can't perform well, whatever, that still looks bad and they lose again uh, here to Phoenix anyway, in this series, Anthony Davis is facing the criticism right now, Brian.
1: And what's his contract pay him?
0: <laughs> What's his contract pay Like lot 15, more than you and I make, per? Yeah, a lot more than you and I make doing the podcast Three Dog Thursday or on Vegas Insider or MajorWager.com. We know that. That's for sure. Tens of millions, yes.
1: Get your ass on the court tomorrow night. Period. End of story. Or at least give it a go. I mean, if yeah, you're not try. right, you're not right. But I mean, you can pay way too much. It's the playoffs. Get your ass on the
0: court, man. Give me a break. The uh, the old adage of rest in the offseason. Yeah, because if you lose one more, it is the offseason um, on this one. So, again, we know about the Thursday night uh, action. Before we get out of here in this segment, again, the potential exists where we could see three of these series end. Uh, I'll get a quick comment from you before we do this more on our roundtable in a few minutes. Uh, the Hawks get the two games at home. Julius Randle in witness protection figuratively right now with his offensive game what's going on and I know the audience already knows the result can he get it back together can we see a game six here is Randle going to get it back together make a prediction again the audience already knows as we release the podcast what happened between Knicks and Hawks on Wednesday night you and I don't know that result Brian Edwards but what do you think
1: Well, I give the Knicks a chance because the MSG crowd will be electric and that will give them energy and, you know, the Hawks as a whole, you know, are are inexperienced in the playoffs. But, I I mean, Julius Randle goes into game five on Wednesday night having shot 20 of 73 in four games for a 27.4 field goal percentage. He's missed 53 shots and committed 15 turnovers. That's Mm. absolutely abysmal. And I just think their confidence is shot. And it's not just Randall. It's R.J. Barrett's played terrible. Is
0: Randall trying too hard? I mean, I've seen him force some shots. I've seen some unforced turnovers. Is he feeling the weight of New York and the fans, and he's trying too hard and the pressure?
1: And he's in a contract year Now, he's had a great regular season, obviously a career year. But, um, yeah, like even just to start off game four, he forced like a – 28 footer would hit backboard first and was like whoa dude what are you doing man he is just all out of sorts and um I think the series is a wrap man I think the Hawks take care of them Wednesday night if not they definitely take care of them back at home and if that number's anything seven or fewer hammer the Hawks because they are 21 and two straight up 19 and four against the spread their last 23 home games and they've either won a 12 or 13 in a row at wow. home. And I think it's important for Atlanta to wrap it up tonight, assuming Philly wraps it up as well against Washington, because while Embiid is gimpy and you can potentially play them with him, not at hundred percent or with him in street clothes at Philly in games one and or two, you want that to happen ASAP. So very important for the Hawks tonight as it applies to the next series
0: great points on all of this. Brian, we love your stuff. Stand by. Uh, again, uh, you follow him at Vegas B Edwards. Also, as well on MajorWager.com, his picks on Vegas Insider available. He keeps you up to date though on his Twitter feed through MajorWager.com on all the injury information, who's playing or not through all of the social media. So stand by, uh, Brian. We'll have more from you later on in the podcast, and we got much more in the middle segment. We're going to talk a little French Open. We're going to talk more about the NBA. Uh, Here in the middle, Matt Zimmick and Deshaun Tate are going to be hanging with me as the podcast continues along. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet, bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, and games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today. You'll receive a special offer for up to $500 risk-free on a sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. And download the app today. Again, that's WYNNBet.com. Hey, do you ever feel like you're always on? And what do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? Every day it seems to be go, go, go. And it's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Well, guess what? You can reach for a Coors Light because it is made to chill. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button and do so with Coors Light. Reminder that Coors Light is cold, lagered, cold-filtered, cold, cold package. It's literally made to chill, and it's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to un wine once again Coors Light the official beer by the way of the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs is Coors Light and when you are thinking that it is time to cool off to be refreshed Memorial Day weekend or throughout the summer when you reach for a Coors Light you know it's made to chill so again with whatever you're doing however fast it's going however hot it is remember our friends at Coors Light dogs a-barkin who will get it done this week three dog thursday now continues here again is tj reeves we do come back in and i love the inside of the conversation on three dog thursday with my next two guests as they talk many different things not the least of which we all all three of us have great love for college basketball and matt zimmick and deshaun tate helped me countless times with the College Basketball Coast to Coast a podcast and show that was rolling all the way through the college basketball season in the Final Four, uh, et cetera. They're both back with me now on Three Dog Thursday to cover several different subjects. Yes, hoop-related, also a little tennis, a little coaching carousel, et cetera. So let's welcome them both back in. First of all, Matt Zimek, love his insight on all things, including we're going to talk a little tennis in a moment. The Tennis with an Accent podcast, which we love, among many other endeavors. Brother Zimmick, good to have you back aboard on Three Dog Thursday to talk many subjects, including tennis. Slow news day, right, TJ? Yeah, there's a shame that there's nothing going on this week or on Wednesday. We'll get to it, including... Uh, coach k is the latest news that we have to that end mr tate's take the basketball hoops podcast is deshaun Tate, based out of atlanta he is hanging with me here on three dog thursday as well to talk all things hoops all things hawks all things coaching carousel how you been good to have you back aboard
2: busy uh since i woke up man it's been busy news like <laughs> like matt was saying just Things come in from a little bit of everywhere, so uh, it's been good. I guess busy is good, so uh, I'm prepared to be up pretty late night tonight and over the course of the next couple.
0: Yeah, no doubt, especially with the NBA playoffs going on, and Deshaun is close to it, figuratively and literally. He's in Atlanta, where the Hawks are battling the New York Knicks. Again, as we talked in the last segment with Brian Edwards, we pull the curtain back on Three Dog Thursday. As the podcast releases on Thursday, Matt and Deshaun and I, we don't know the results of Wednesday night. The Hawks may very well have eliminated the New York Knicks, where Deshaun is in Atlanta. They're playing the game at Madison Square Garden. Then again, they may be coming Uh, to the ATL for a game six Friday. We don't know that result at the time that we're knocking out this interview, this three-way conversation. You may know that answer. You probably do know that answer as Thursday wears on. And certainly by Friday, if you're listening uh, on Three Dog Thursday and the weekend show, you know what the latest is. But Deshaun is all over it. He'll have some insight on that in a few moments. We do know this, the French Open in tennis is ongoing. And you're saying, TJ, why are you talking about tennis? Well, first of all, I don't roll the red carpet out lightly for Matt Zimmick on here If we're not talking about something significant in major tennis, grand slam tennis, and it relates to the bigger picture of athletes, the mental health discussion going on, and also the media. So, Matt, we go to you first here with Naomi Osaka, who is the uh, the grand slam champion from the United States, who has decided now to withdraw from the French Open, the tennis grand slam going on citing as as part of this to paraphrase mental health concern about being uh getting anxiety from questions and negativity etc all right so most of the people that are listening to us know something about this give fill in the details give us a little more because it is a big deal that she is out of this tournament matt so go ahead
3: yeah, so the really the controversy really erupted not so much when she said she was going to skip a press conference last week before the tournament began. It, the controversy really began began when she did in fact skip her press conference after her first match on uh, Sunday in Paris, and then immediately the four Grand Slams, you know, the, the the leaders of the four different major tournaments, they all signed that letter saying that we might default you. I mean, in other words, disqualify you from the tournament if you continue to skip press conferences. That's really this at the center of this, TJ. The If you look at the, the, the Grand Slams, I, I'm trying not to go too deep into the weeds, but there needs to be a little bit of an explanation here. Sure. The ITF, International Tennis Federation, is linked to the four Grand Slams. The WTA and ATP Tours, they run their normal tourna- tournaments over the course of the whole year. But the four majors, they are under the ITF, the International Tennis Federation. So the ITF has its Code of Conduct. This pertains to the grand slams, the four majors, and in the code of conduct, the penalty uh, section, there's, a, there's an article three section T and the four grand slams cited this as saying, we can default you. But if you read through that section T in article three, it does not say if you missed three or whatever number, it does not spell out a number of missed press conferences that leads to default. It's, it's very vague. It's, it's basically we can consult, we can confer and we can default you. So that was a very heavy handed move. It was a show of force. The rules did not explicitly state that if Osaka missed one or two or three more press conferences, she would be defaulted. So that was a strong arm tactic all right so they could have massaged the situation they could have finessed it one thing they could have done they simply could have waited for the tournament to end then you sit down between the french open and wimbledon you know when everything's quiet and with you know less scrutiny less focus you just quietly do it behind the scenes so this was a, this was a panic move by the grand slams they acted so quickly within like two or three hours because they do not want players to skip press conferences. Now this leads there you us go. To- If I
0: can interject, the thing Sorry. I thought of when you were saying that is what they were trying to head off – is kind of like with kids or whatever, if she can do it, I can do it. If he can do it, I can do it. And I believe what they were trying to head off is if we allow her to not have to be interviewed and to not have to face questions and criticism, we can't stop anybody else who says the same thing. And now nobody has to talk and it damages things further. Isn't that a fair point on why they were so heavy handed with what they did with her real quick?
3: I mean, in terms of their goal, yes, but in terms of how you politically achieve that in a way which minimizes the focus off court, you know, this is one of the four major tournaments you want. If you want, if you, as a leader of the grand slams and as a leader of the sport, if you want the sport to grow and improve, you want the focus to be on the tennis court. And we can say perhaps that Osaka created the distraction, but the grand slams poured gasoline on the fire. The other really key point to mention TJ is that, we say, and it's reasonable that you know meeting the media is part of your job as an athlete. On a broader level, sure, that's true. But the key difference, this is a solo athlete sport players don't make a salary it's performance-based earnings you don't know what your monthly income is going to be you don't know what your yearly income is going to be and i know asaka has over 50 million dollars she's won so many major titles so for her it's not really a big financial hit but if we apply this to all tennis players generally and if we try to be fair to all players and have uniform standards You know, if you're making, if you're ranked number 200 in the world, you're not getting by. You're you're not making enough to have a comfortable existence, given all the travel you have to do, given that you have to pay for a coach, you have to pay for a physiotherapist, et cetera, et cetera. You're not in a good financial situation if you're a lower ranked player. And so when we say it's part of your job to meet the media – You don't have reliable, steady income. I mean, for most tennis players, top 50, they're comfortable, but everybody else, you're not comfortable. So it raises the point. If if we're going to say it's part of your job to a tennis player or another solo practitioner, let's just give you like some meal money. Not not huge money, but like (laughs) get a 100 bucks for each press conference you attend. Then we can say it's really part of your job. In in gift cards at Applebee's. Sport, very different give dynamic.
0: cards at Chili's. Gift cards to whatever, whatever you need. Uh, yeah, need something. Be. Give um,
3: give carrots. Give carrots instead of just wielding a stick. You know, and it, like it's kind of market. like in the pandemic. We you know if that Ohio lottery. Give people incentives to do things instead of just threatening punishment. It's a better way of attracting people, convincing people to do the right thing. So just give you give people a hundred bucks attending press conferences. I think you solve the issue there, or at least you—you'd certainly take a lot of the
0: threatening vibe out of the room. All right, we're going to have more on this in the in the roundtable discussion. That's the voice of Matt Zimick. Uh, you follow him on social media at Matt Z e m e k at Matt Zimick. Again, well versed on everything. Love his insight on all sports, but specifically tennis and the tennis accent podcast. Let me include Deshaun Tate in our kind of roundtable discussion here on this. Uh, Mr. Tate's take, let's bring it to the NBA. If the star players, the LeBrons, the Kevin Durants, the Steph Currys, all the way down the list, to Damian Lillard playing in Portland, Trey Young in your market in Atlanta, if they were to go on the Marshawn Lynch is like the Seattle Seahawks running back from the Super Bowl, I'm just here so I don't get fined, that whole thing, uh, would not want to talk to the media. If they all collectively began to pick and choose, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to talk we're bringing it to the broader to the broader sense but it's a big problem for the NBA if that is the case too correct and other sports right
2: yeah absolutely uh, i think that you know one of the things is is you have to have that label or that title of being one of those that status of a star i mean you're not going to be the one of the you know last guys off the bench or six men and making any of those kind of demands and commands i would imagine that you know i I couldn't imagine that that would be something that would fly uh but it's not a secret uh in some cases according to some of the reports and things that i've heard recently over the course of the past few weeks um is that you know Perfect example, Julio Jones, not really speaking very much and often to a lot of the media here within the city of Atlanta, let alone some of the other places. Um, did he know that he was on the telephone when he was given some of uh, having some of that conversation with the guys from FS1 and so forth? And, uh, you know, so that, that, that's just an, an example. I would imagine that this is something that would not be a good look for the NBA or probably not for anybody. I mean, you start talking about PR, but. Uh, A lot of these guys have that option uh, as to who they can and cannot talk to. Now, I'm not really sure where a lot of this lies in terms of what's in their contract, who they must talk to and who they actually have options to talk to. But just think about it. I mean, if you're a guy, for example, we're talking about NBA, we're talking about Atlanta. Let's stick right here with Trey Young. You want to make him as happy as you possibly can trying to keep him in this city. If he says that he doesn't want to go talk to Joe Blow or whomever it is, uh, then to make him happy and hopefully that he stays, uh, then you know you might want to grant him that and give him that option of talking to whomever he wants to, whenever he wants to, uh, whether that makes it right, wrong, or anything in between or indifferent, uh, it's, it, it, whether it's fair or not. Life isn't fair, and that's just the way that it is. You have to have that status first before you can get some of those superstar calls
0: and it's a good point that matt makes in the nba in the nfl in major league baseball in the national hockey league they're all part of teams they have a union they've collectively bargained they understand the media is part of this your responsibility is part of of talking to the media the writers the broadcasters the tv networks in the case of tennis, in the case of golf, it's an individual sport. They're independent contractors. I understand Matt's point. It's a little more tricky with that. A couple of more things that I promise we're going to move on to a couple of other basketball related subjects and bring it back to that with Matt Zimmick and Deshaun Tate. Tate's take is like frothing because he wants to talk Hawks. He wants to talk Coach K. He's like shadow boxing in the corner because I'm a big boxing guy. He's shadow boxing. He's ready. On the Naomi Osaka thing, I think it is very valid the concerns about mental health, anxiety with the media, because she specifically, Matt, and help me fill in the blanks here, she was part of the U.S. Open that ended controversially, women's tennis, September 2018, where Serena Williams, arguably the most famous ladies tennis player maybe ever, certainly of the last 25 or 30 years, Serena got disqualified and was upset and the crowd was booing in New York, sellout crowd, going crazy and booing. And Naomi Osaka stood there, and almost it was like they were blaming the fact that she was now the winner, it, transferring it. And in the transference Trans- sense, we're booing because we don't want Serena to look like, to, to lose like this. Is it, and that's a that's a valid part of what her concerns are over anxiety and criticism. I don't think that can be underplayed here. Matt, real quick.
3: Well, you know, the larger point is simply that if you're a athlete in your early twenties, coming into fame and wealth and global uh, notoriety, you know that that's that's a hard thing to figure out, and uh, we need we need to give people time and space to learn how to do these things. And you know, Osaka Osaka's management team, you know, she has a management team, and they obviously didn't get it just right with the first statement last week did a lot better job with the statement that she released on Monday when she announced her withdrawal. But like if a young athlete doesn't play her, make her chest moves exactly right. That's not a character flaw. You know, people are saying she's selfish. She's, she's manipulative. No, she's just trying to figure out how to deal with her own anxiety and, and perhaps depression in a, in a with all this wealth, all this fame. I mean, like, you know, do, do, would we handle this easily? I don't think sure. so, but I mean, even then I mean, mistakes are part of the process and mistakes are very different from crimes. And and the, the, the ferocity of the outrage directed at Osaka on tennis Twitter, I've seen it. It's come into my mentions and in my DMS, you'd think that she violated the Geneva convention or something. All she did was skip a <laughs> press conference and we can be concerned about it, with, uh, so far as it goes within this own sphere of activity, but she did not commit a crime. Let's just keep this all in
0: perspective the old, and, and, and allow the big her perspective. to make
3: mistakes, allow her to grow as a human being in a very difficult situation that none of us would automatically know how to handle.
0: No, and let's keep a couple of other things in perspective, because I read about this, too, and I promise we're moving along. Uh, She made 50 million five zero very similar to what Zemeck and and Tate's take make. She made 50 million off the court last year, according to what I read in the New York Times. So she is very well off financially more well off than 98% of the ladies that play on the ladies tennis tour and try to make a living doing whatever they can as Matt mentioned the top 50s in a different category, but that's the stratosphere of how much money you make. And in fairness, the French Open organizers tried to come to her privately to talk to her on how can we accommodate this, and she walled them off with her people and would not meet with them and said, my PR person, my agent, or whoever's going to deal with you, I'm not I'm – not. and so you lose some of the moral high ground that you didn't work with them, right, Matt – As an independent contractor, they were trying to work with you because I understand the tournament's concern, the the Grand Slams' concern. These are the most watched tournaments. They are are watched by millions of people worldwide, more so than the regular tour events. And if all of the players suddenly decided we're not going to talk, it takes away from it. So I understand where the tournament was coming from. She could have handled that a lot better by at least meeting with them and trying to come to some kind of resolution. Yes, I see you nodding.
3: Definitely agree. And I think, again, her management team has not given her good consistently sound advice. I think we'd all agree on that. I would simply come back to the point that you can address this in two weeks when the tournament's over, no one's going to die. No catastrophe is going to emerge. If you, if you don't resolve this in 24 hours, just, you know, the, the tournament's a two week tournament, you can address it afterwards before Wimbledon. That would be the obvious move.
0: All right, and what happens at Wimbledon, which is the next prestigious tennis tournament coming later this summer, coming uh, in late June, later this month, we'll find out uh, with that. All right, let's bring it back to Tate's Take, and Tate's Take Hoops is where you find Deshaun Tate on Twitter. Tate's Take is the podcast where basketball lives. This man uh, not only has the podcast, but he's going live after the NBA playoff games at uh, after the buzzer or at the buzzer or both uh, on social media, on Facebook and going live, giving insight and analysis. All right, let's get right to it. We don't know the result of Wednesday night. All right. I know you believe the Hawks are going to win this series. It may have to be in a sixth game coming Friday night back in Atlanta. Give me some, give me some vibe around Atlanta. Has Atlanta begun to embrace this a little bit that the Hawks could really make a run here in these NBA playoffs? Deshaun, some quick insights.
2: First let me say this TJ I can't speak for Matt Zimick $50 million me that's more like uh minus 49,999,999.99 dollars <laughs> 99 um but outside of that uh no I, I know that it's a game that the uh, Hawks fans and Hawks Nation is highly anticipating I can only imagine the Uh, atmosphere the environment at Madison Square Garden uh, and uh, just seeing the way that that's going to look like I mean they're going to be clapping in the faces the head coach of or interim coach right now of the Atlanta Hawks and Nate McMillan has already mentioned that he uh, is aware and has made the team aware they have a clear understanding that this is going to be a game that is going to be the toughest one yet of the series to try and close them out on the road hostile environment And being prepared that the Knicks are going to go after try and play a little bit of bully ball with the Atlanta Hawks, something that they cannot afford to do is to go into Madison Square Garden, end up losing that game, assuming that they will go back to Atlanta, and that's automatically going to be a win by counting the chickens before they hatch. This is not necessarily a market in which uh, that they're known for closing out just as Tom Brady and Clayton Kershaw just a year ago. Uh, So in the end, they have to go ahead and take care of business if they want to impress Deshaun Tate. Last thing you want is to go back to Madison Square Garden for a game seven and all the momentum is going in the Big Apple.
0: All right, so again, that's a lot of the talk on the NBA and in the, the audience again, may know what happened in game five. Was it close or not? Did Atlanta close them out or not? As we release three dog Thursday, we don't know that answer. Is it game six where Mr. Tate's Tate will be lurking around this matchup. All right. I got one more thing to cover. Uh, Danny Ainge uh, and the Celtics are eliminated. Danny Ainge stepping aside, Brad Stevens going to the front office. That was big enough news in Boston in the NBA. I want a reaction from both of you guys on that but also the Wednesday afternoon news that Coach K, Mike Shashevsky, the legendary Hall of Fame winningest Division One college basketball men's coach uh, ever, is going to retire after this upcoming season and what happens for a replacement. All right, Matt, give me thoughts real quick on both. On Ainge and the Celtics, Brad Stevens now going to be in the front office and not be the coach. And Coach K also departing real quick.
3: I think this is, these are pandemic effects. I think that you can see that coach K lost a little bit of his appetite for coaching during the pandemic season. Uh, And you combine that with the transfer portal. I just think the little bit of the appetite is lost. And even if it's just losing one or 2% of your appetite, that makes all the difference at an elite level. And as for Brad Stevens, I think he similarly felt worn down. I mean, the Woj tweeted out that he was reportedly worn down by the bubble experience So that tells me that he just needs a break from coaching the grind and that he'll, he'll eventually go back into coaching. Now, of course, Duke made complete sense as his return place for coaching. And now that doesn't seem to be the case. So that's another plot twist, really unexpected turn of events in that regard.
0: Deshaun, I know you, uh, you podcast about all of this, your insight on all uh, what's your insight here on both these situations, Boston and Duke.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, A little bit surprised uh, from uh, the Brad Stevens uh, situation, Danny Ainge stepping down. Uh, You know, this is one of those things where I I knew there had to be some sort of a reason behind why Brad Stevens like, oh, get paid all this money from Indiana. Yeah, I think I'll turn that down. That's a ton of money turned down. I knew it had to be for some sort of a reason. He was already on the hot seat and the seat already getting warmer as it is. Uh, not really sure what's going to happen with that going forward, especially with the head coaching vacancy. I would imagine that uh, you know John Shire being the name that's the front runner considerably, maybe to take over for Coach K after this year. Uh, I thought maybe me personally, I would be looking a little bit more further in Mike Brays direction. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's, it's going to be really interesting. I'm kind of curious to know what kind of effect the kind the, the kind of year that Duke had which is very uncharacteristic from last year had on the disc and roy williams as well
0: yeah and roy williams just stepped aside as you made mention of uh also on all of this so he's gone from north carolina again coach k will coach this upcoming season will they name the the coach in waiting or will they wait tommy amaker is a name that might come back into play who's coached other places and and had success a lot of sentiment maybe for johnny dawkins who's coached other places and might come in don't know what they're going to do at duke i do know this i love me both of these guys so matt zimmick covering tennis tennis with an accent is the podcast Uh, He and Sakabali are on that podcast talking tennis, all things, including the Naomi Osaka controversy and the actual French Open on the court. Anything with tennis, go to Matt for that. We love him for all the other insight as well. Follow him at Matt Zimmick, Z-E-M-E-K. Uh, Matt would love you to know, as a Seattle native, that this is the anniversary week to Sean Tate and for the audience of the Seattle Supersonics winning the NBA championship 42 years ago, June of 1979. Dennis Johnson, Jack Sigma, Freddie Downtown Brown, and some others that I'm probably leaving out. You're nodding along, Zimmick. You love that, that I know that, that that was 42 years ago. How crazy is that?
3: 42 years ago, NBA finals game started at 11.30 p.m. Eastern time. How about that one? (laughs)
0: yes with the seattle sonics involved with the then washington bullets tate's take hoops is where you find deshaun tate tate's take is the podcast and you're on after the nba playoff games as well plug real quick you're on after the playoff games breaking it down on social media as well right
2: i am at tate's take hoops we call it where basketball lives 15 minutes after the final game from the playoffs conclude of that night, we'll recap all of them, try to keep it within 20 or 30 minutes. TJ likes to slap my wrist on that one, but as (laughs) as you know, it's really hard for me to be quiet. So, uh, but no, go and check it out. Subscribe anywhere you find your favorite podcast, YouTube, the whole nine. Uh, we like to say uh, to t- your friends, tell your enemies, tell your mama, tell your grandmama and t- tell your baby mama where they can find the best, the most entertaining, the most informational. And of course, the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast.
0: Yeah, Deshaun could have gone on for 40 minutes on Damian Lillard and the end of the uh, the Portland-Denver game on Tuesday And the poor, poor officiating.
2: And the poor officiating.
0: I got you on all of it. And so, again, all through the playoffs, the Hawks, the Knicks, the Hawks look like they're moving on. Deshaun is all over it. Boys, thank you. I appreciate you hanging with me on Three Dog Thursday. Matt Zimmick and Deshaun Tate. Great stuff. Thank you, TJ. And we are back in one more time. Senior Handicapper, Vegas Insider, MajorWager.com. Love the Insight. Uh, Brian Edwards, again, we were talking earlier with you about the Thursday night action, uh, because we already knew that in advance here of Three Dog Thursday and the games are going to be played on Thursday. Again, we don't know the Wednesday results of what happened and how many game sixes do we have? We do know, Brian, that it's a guarantee whoever won the Wednesday night, late night Clippers-Mavericks game has a chance to close it out in game six on Friday night. And so far to this point, for what you and I know, the road team has won the first four games. Dallas got the first two in L.A. L.A. then got the next two in Dallas. And I know uh, that Luka Doncic has the injured neck, has the neck muscle a problem that was bothering him at the end of Game Three and in Game Four. So again, that series has a Game Six on Friday, and we're wondering: Do the Hawks and the Knicks have a Game Six? Did the Jazz finish off the Grizzlies? Is the other series uh, done as well from Wednesday night between Philadelphia and Washington, or not? You know those answers if you're hearing us on the podcast. Brian and I uh, do not right here, uh, but it'll be interesting on on Friday to have a couple of at least one game, and we probably will have a couple of games uh, to take a look at on, on Friday night.
1: Yeah. Um, Luca, uh, Woj had a tweet, uh, it was either yesterday or the day before that his next train <clears throat> was already improved the next day. So that is a little bit of optimism for Dallas. Um, you know, if he, we, but we just don't know as gamblers, is he 85% tonight? Is he 95%? I mean, if, if right. Luke is 100%, I like the Mavs plus seven or seven and a half, but I don't know that. So I. it's, it's tough, man. But it'll make and Friday easier once we get the answers to that tonight.
0: Yes, and then again, uh, you know, he could play and play lights out. Uh, And then Dallas would obviously have the opportunity to come back home at that point and close it out where the road team would have won all five games to begin that series. If the, uh, if the Mavericks can find a way um, on that one. And again, you make mention of this, repeat this. We know that the Brooklyn Milwaukee series is starting on Saturday, and you've already looked into that. Repeat that again. We know that that's definitely happening on Saturday, and you're handicapping that a little bit right now.
1: Yeah, Brooklyn's minus four and a half, and Milwaukee, or I'm sorry, the total is 239 and a half, um, and they played three times in the regular season. Now, I haven't gone back and refreshed my memory on those box scores, but um, the first one was um, at Brooklyn, and Brooklyn won by two. That was early in the year, so that was obviously pre-hardened. And I'm pretty sure they played back-to-back games. I don't know if it was back-to-back nights, but it was either in two days or three days. And Milwaukee won a pair of close games. I'm pretty sure Harden was out with the hamstring at that point. I'm pretty sure Durant and Kyrie did play, though. So for whatever it's worth, they played three pretty close games with the home teams winning all three, Milwaukee winning twice at home.
0: Okay, and one, th- one other thing. Feel free to join in here. I haven't brought this up as of yet on Three Dog Thursday here, but we've we've had – Excessive idiocy, I'll put that out there, with fans throwing things at players. Uh, A fan ran on the floor the other night uh, in the Washington-Philadelphia series. The fan in, in Boston has been charged uh, with assault for throwing the water bottle at Kyrie. I mean, again, Kyrie Irving is his own worst enemy doing idiotic things. Why walk to the middle of the court with fans watching you and stomp on the Celtic head logo? I'm not saying that it warrants somebody retaliating, but you set all of that into motion with how you're acting on that. Grow, grow up a little bit uh, on that. But the, the fan stuff, some of it, I believe, too, my take, I want your. Some of it is copycat stuff. I saw somebody else do it, so now I'm going to do it the next night. And we literally saw it like three nights in a row. Uh, You cannot convince me otherwise that copycat isn't part of the motivation to do this stuff and get attention for yourself, even if you're going to get arrested. Ryan, what's your take?
1: Well, they should probably do like the NFL and not put them on camera, and that will deter their – I don't know. Well, I guess it's out on the – court whereas in football you know they can just be out on the field away from the player or whatever and it's easy to get the camera off i guess but uh
0: and they can revoke their tickets they can revoke them if they're season ticket holders and that's some of the steps that nba teams are taking
1: yeah you know i don't know if the guy in washington was actually like trying to like go annoy a player or anything he was just and out there to be a jackass, but, um,
0: anyhow, but it's still dangerous. Uh, And I know you're not, sure. sure. it's still dangerous because you don't know what those people are going to do when they get out there. Um, and again, throwing things at somebody walking towards the tunnel. Um, I, 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 I never condoned it, but I still say that a great deterrent, one of the all-time deterrents was Ron Artest going into the stands. Because when he did that, you hadn't seen, you you did not see that at an NBA game for years after that. Because the Yahoos, the idiots, the, the troublemakers, they now realize, oh crap, there's a chance that guy could come up and slug me. Um, and
1: at, at the same uh, deal, Malice at the Palace, I forget <laughs> if Jermaine O'Neill slipped or so, Jermaine O'Neal threw a haymaker oh, at that Lord, yeah. short, pudgy kid that came out on the court and started doing like the this. Guy, the
0: guy that looked like Turtle from Entourage in the yes. Pistons jersey, and he decked him.
1: Yes. That one. If Jermaine O'Neal had not slipped and if he would have connected with that haymaker, nobody would ever run on the court again. And I think Barkley said something the other night. Once one of these guys comes and gets in one of these player spaces and takes like five – or he didn't say – I'll say that. If it takes like six eye dots on television – That'll that'll deter it as well.
0: Yep. All right. So again, fan bad behavior has been part of this. Unfortunately, uh, you remember against, who also
1: went in the stands back in the day, my I'm guy.
0: Try, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Vernon Maxwell did it one year. I remember. I remember that he went all the way up like ten rows and after beat somebody.
1: somebody's ass.
0: And uh, yeah, and you Got can't ten
1: game suspension or maybe.
0: Yeah, Maybe longer. longer. And and again, we're not condoning that the players should go and take matters into their own hands and and assault the paying customers, uh, per se. But what are we coming to that this is what we're talking about, and it's going on over and over and over again with throwing things at players and trying to agitate them. Give me a break. Um, all right. So there. speaking of fisticuffs, I, I know we want to share this on Three Dog Thursday before we get out of here. There is boxing this weekend. A plug again on Three Dog Thursday to find the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Bigfightweekend.com is our website. Marquise Johns and I hang out on that podcast, and he and I co-write the site, and Marquise does a great job as the senior writer. We've got Floyd Mayweather uh, coming out of retirement to face – a YouTuber, the Hall of Fame caliber fighter Floyd Mayweather, unbeaten in his career, hasn't fought in four years. He's fighting an exhibition against a YouTuber, a failed actor, as I keep saying, Logan Paul. Logan Paul has had one fight. Logan Paul's about 30 pounds bigger and about six inches taller than Floyd Mayweather. Ryan Edwards, I get the feeling this is a Sunday night pay-per-view, not a Saturday. This is a Sunday night pay-per-view. I get the feeling there are going to be a lot of casual sports fans who will at least check this out. On Sunday night, I don't know that everybody's buying the pay-per-view, but some people will be interested in what's the result. Let me see a highlight, what happened. Do you have any interest at all here with Mayweather having been a great smaller weight fighter? Logan Paul, again, is not a, it does not have any background really as a fighter, MMA, boxer, or whatever. Any interest here in that one for Sunday?
1: I'm not even interested in a normal... Floyd Mayweather fight. I mean, if you're a a boxing diehard, you know, you can uh, enjoy the the sweet science and his great defense but i've never enjoyed a floyd mayweather fight my entire life
0: not one so uh no is the answer all right now interesting Especially
1: the pacquiao his, one that one was the worst thing yeah ever and, that,
0: and that one ended up being a dud where floyd out fox team out box team moved around and it was dull uh now the the paul brothers the other failed actor jake paul has a little bit more of a boxing resume he is going to fight on pay-per-view against a ufc fighter Uh, an aged UFC fighter, a 39-year-old in Tyron Woodley. Um, Okay, so this one's going to get some interest. The fight is not anytime soon. It's not until August. It's three months away from the time that we're putting this together on Three Dog Thursday. But you were giving me a little bit on Tyron Woodley, who had some success for three or four years at UFC as a welterweight, right?
1: Yeah, he was the champion. Um, he, He is, you know, unlike Ben Askren, who's one of the worst strikers in MMA history, Uh, Woodley is a powerful striker he's got big time hands now I will say that he it was you know he didn't have his contract renewed by the UFC he had lost four in a row but the first two of those losses were basically losses on the ground where he was taken down and just never really got back up Uh, but he, he had three really just dud performances but he, he showed a little life his last fight. He rocked Vicente Luque, who was on a, a, a big-time winning streak in the UFC, and, and was doing well when the fight was standing, but eventually got, got rocked and then got submitted on the ground. But he did look pretty good in his last fight. Um, I will say he's not really – I wouldn't say he's punch drunk, Um, but he just kind of got beaten on the ground and just didn't really look – He even when he was champ, he had a, like – some acting stuff going on. He was making a rap album. He, he always had his – he was doing commentating. It just didn't seem like he was focused on fighting. And I don't know that he'll be focused on this so much. I think it is a big step up in competition uh, for Jake Paul uh, compared to Askren, obviously. But, um, you know, I'm not saying that Tyron Woodley's going to win. He is 39. Um, we'll see. And if they're going to fight and at 190- 190 Woodley- –
0: and, Wood- and Woodley's background is an amateur wrestler and wrestled at the University of Missouri. None of that is going to help him in a boxing match. Uh, and again, I-, I fully understand that a lot of people look at this as total sideshow, circus. Again, I'm covering boxing on a boxing podcast, etc. Showtime premium cable in the United States has bought into this big time with both of the Pauls. And they gave a multi-fight deal to Jake Paul here for this So they're trying to see if he can progress as a boxer. But I mean, the first knockout, Brian, you know, this was against Nate Robinson, the former slam dunk champion, former basketball player who was significantly smaller than Jake Paul in the fight. Jake Paul then fights Ben Askren, which, again, not only is Askren limited, apparently, as a boxer to begin with, it didn't look like he was in shape. Do you believe that Woodley will take this seriously and be in shape at 39 years of age? And this might actually be a test Three months from now, that's what Showtime's hoping for. Because if it's a joke one round fight, there's not a market for Jake Jake Paul fights anymore. No one will care. No one will buy it.
1: Yeah, he'll, I think he'll be in shape now. They'll they're gonna fight at 190. He, uh, so when she walks around that, but he he'd been fighting in the UFC at 170, and he's only five nine, so he's given up a height uh, advantage, and he's got a two inch reach disadvantage. But Woodley is a very competent striker. Uh, Askrin is not a striker at all. Nate Robinson is a basketball and it was right. a, hell of a football player uh in college and high school as well, and a great athlete. But Woodley is, is competent and Woodley can take well, actually Askrin can take a punch. He took a bunch of Robbie Lawler punches, but um Woodley um will be it's a significant step up in class. This guy is competent on his feet, and he will be way offer way more resistance than the other guys. And I wouldn't be shocked if Woodley uh, wins the fight but i mean i'm not looking to bet on this
0: thing and again for sunday night the older brother is logan paul and he is some six inches taller than floyd mayweather he's some 30 pounds heavier than floyd mayweather there is a lot of belief this will be a circus a sideshow more so than anything else uh with more of the wwf feel to it uh well, to try to promote the other something. Paul brother yeah
1: why, why are they calling it an exhibition, or why are they have um why do they have uh gambling odds on it? I mean, they're obviously gonna have scorecards so, and whatnot. So correct? that's
0: the great, that's the great thing here. My understanding is they are calling it an exhibition. It's eight three-minute rounds, which is the legitimate distance that that fights that boxing matches are held at uh for that. And they are going to have official judges, apparently. And if they do, then that makes it a lot more legitimate than just saying exhibition. They're not going to have headgear on like an exhibition fight might have uh, here for this Mayweather-Paul fight that we're talking about on Saturday night but they keep dubbing it an exhibition. So for whatever reasons read into that what you will for the showtime pay-per-view and again Mayweather has not fought in 4 years since he fought Colin McGregor in any kind of a substantial boxing match and uh, Mayweather now in his 40s let's let's see what that looks like for Sunday. We do know this Brian Edwards, while he has disdain for Floyd Mayweather and is not going to be paying attention to Sunday night, we'll do that on Big Fight Weekend, the podcast, and bigfightweekend.com, so check us out there. You will be all over the NBA. One more time, plug away your social media and where else they can find your info for all these NBA games that will be going on not only Thursday night here as we release on Three Dog Thursday, but throughout the weekend, plug away on where we can find out all the info.
1: Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter. uh, The handle is at VegasBEdwards. You can find all my content on MajorWager.com. You can find all my NBA picks, which are on a 9 and one run, at uh, VegasInsider.com. And you can find uh, the Major Wager uh, Twitter handle is at MajorWagerUno.
0: Beautiful on all that. Good luck with all your picks. Happy to still be hanging out with you here in June as we progress through the NBA and NHL playoffs. Brian, thank you. Good luck with your stuff. Thanks, brother. Have a good one. There we go. And my thanks also to Matt Simic and to T- uh, to Deshaun Tate, who were both with me uh, here on the podcast in the middle portion. Of the program, talking some tennis, talking some NBA playoffs. For now, we are done. Again, subscribe to this podcast Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, subscribe to Three Dog Thursday. My thanks again to Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, everybody with the Sports Gambling Podcast, as well as they help promote us through sportsgamblingpodcast.com and their network feed of shows. Enjoy all the action. We're back next week. We'll have a clearer picture in hockey and the uh, NBA playoffs of what the latest is in both and the latest playoff series and the latest rounds. We're rocking on through the month of June on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.